0: Good morning. God's word for us today comes from the book of Mark. This will be in the first chapter, verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated.
1: Thank you, John. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Community Church. Um, We are going to spend three weeks talking a little bit about where we are headed this year and actually where we're going to be headed probably for the next five to seven years so this is the time of the year where we we welcome new people who maybe are not familiar with grace and they're just they're just visiting as a new school year gets started so we're going to talk about where we're where we're headed Uh, the great commission matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 jesus says right before he ascends into heaven he says all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of All nations here at grace community church. We like to say that we are about being and making disciples. That's why we exist as a church. That's why any church exists is to be disciples who make disciples. So what we're going to do over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the nature of discipleship today. We're going to look at. Who you follow. Next week, we're going to take a look at what following looks like. And then, August 27th, we're going to talk corporately about where we are headed, Grace Community Church, as a collective body of worshipers. So, this morning, discipleship. Who you follow. Three things this morning. We're going to be taking a look at Mark, the passage that was just read. And no, technically, we're not starting the Mark series, but we're in it and uh we're going to be looking at the definition of discipleship the destination of discipleship and then the decision the decision that's all of our decisions individually so please open your bibles to mark chapter 1 let's pray and we will get right to it father we come to you and we ask that you would open our eyes open our hearts open our minds that we might be receptive To your word. Lord, you have called us to be and to make disciples. Help us to understand our calling. Help us to understand who it is that's calling. And Father, give us a heart to follow. A heart to follow you that we might live for you because you died for us. Jesus, help me to preach and teach this morning in the power of the Spirit. Give me me your words. Um, that Christ might be exalted, that he might be worshiped, and that we might be edified in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Mark chapter 1. Again, we're not technically starting the Mark series. We're going to be covering this more in the weeks to come. But Mark chapter 1, verse 14 reads Now, after John was arrested, this is John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, more to come on the gospel of God saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. So this kicks it all off. This kicks it all off. Now Mark goes on to say that passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So this is a, a very famous passage. This is what uh, what we refer to as the calling of, Of the first disciples. So Jesus comes on the scene. He preaches the gospel. He calls people to repent. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he calls to him. Disciples. Disciples. Now the word isn't used here. It's used in Matthew 28. Which we looked at earlier. Go make disciples of all nations. And it's used elsewhere. Scattered throughout the gospel in the book of Acts. But it's not used here. But this is the calling of of those first individuals who were called the first of the disciples. So that's the text. We're going to come back to this text and and look at it in detail in the weeks to come. But I want to start with a definition. When you hear us talk at Grace Community Church about being disciples who make disciples, and you see this word disciple in the the Bible, what is a disciple? A definition, this is just from Webster's Dictionary, a disciple is a follower— or a student of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. Okay, so that's what a disciple is. If you, if you, it's, it means someone who follows. Someone who follows. Okay, so here's a question. Don't answer out loud, just think about it. Most of you, not all of you, but most of you would probably consider yourselves to be a Christian. Safe bet, Sunday morning, 8.30 service. But not necessarily all of you. Some of you are like, no, not not Maybe I'm here because I'm with my girlfriend. I'm here because my parents drug me. Or I'm here because I'm curious. And you are absolutely welcome, and we are glad that you are here. But most of you probably consider yourselves Christian. Those of you who do consider yourselves a Christian, would you consider yourself a disciple of Christ? Some of you are like, well... Aren't they the same thing? Not necessarily. It depends on your definition of disciple. It depends on your definition of disciple, because here, here's the thing. Let me make some distinctions. A disciple is different from a fan. Okay. A disciple is different from a fan. A fan is someone who sees another person or a sporting team or so forth. And they admire, they enjoy watching from afar. They enjoy sitting in the bleachers. They enjoy getting season tickets. They enjoy watching someone else be awesome at what they do. That's what a fan is. How many of you are fans of something? Most of you. Uh, most of you are fans of something, someone, some sporting team, some performer. and But you're not their disciple. See, there, there's a distinction between a fan and a follower. Uh, you, you move forward one degree towards when you become a student. A student studies. A student studies. They know a lot about the person they admire or the group they admire or the ideology that they admire. They, they study. They can tell you lots of historical data points about the person. They can tell you the batting average, the ERA, the yards per carry, or, or when they were born, what they like, what they don't like. They're, 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 they're more invested, but they're not necessarily following. See, probably the best word to uh, synonymize disciple other than follower is apprentice. See, a disciple is someone who follows and they become an apprentice. Apprentice is a student, but the difference is, the difference between a fan a student and a disciple is the disciple says, I am going to follow this individual. I am going to apprentice under them. And I am going to adjust my life to look like their life. I'm going to change what I do day to day. And I'm going to conform to the person I am following. And I'm going to do what they tell me to do because I want to become like them. That is different than a fan. So do you you see now why I'm making a distinction between those who call themselves Christians and those who call themselves disciples? Because many people will call themselves Christians and here's what they mean. I assent to some historical data points about the person of Jesus. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He conquered sin. And I believe that he died for me. Then you could follow up that question saying, are you conforming your life to become his apprentice so that you become like him? Well, no, but I believe in him. No, but I believe in him. See, unless your definition of Christian aligns with disciple, you're following an ideology that is not Christian. And and that's, I don't want to say it's prevalent, but it's not uncommon in what, what, what is seen or believed to be Christianity. So that's the definition of a disciple. Here's, a, here's an example of two disciples of a disciple maker. That's me on the left. That's Terry Brands on the right. And the guy dressed in black is not Johnny Cash. That is Dan Gable. So in 1985 or 1980, 81 I became a fan of wrestling. I started wrestling when I was 13 years old. And I would watch on Iowa Public Television. I was a fan, and I started to participate in the sport of wrestling in eighth grade. Wasn't very good, but I liked the sport, and I I wanted to be like that guy in the middle. And then I had the opportunity, when I was 17 years old, to actually come to the University of Iowa. And so I got in my 1976 Cutlass Supreme that you didn't need a key to start. You just turned the ignition use a screwdriver screwdriver to open the back trunk. And I drove the 77 miles from Newton to Iowa city. And I moved in to a place and I conformed my life to everything. The guy in the middle said to do. I, I took what he said to me as gospel. If you do this, then you will become this. I wanted to think like him, to act like him, to conform my life to everything that he said that I should do so that I could eventually become like him. That is literally what discipleship is. That's what it is. And the other guy on the other side there did the same thing. I have only one thing in common with those two guys. I lost in the NCAA finals. The other two guys went on to win at the NCAA level, and also a world level. Gable's an Olympic champ, world champ. Terry's a two-time world champ. So that, that's what discipleship looks like. And now, now the guy on the right, 17-year-old, 18-year-old guys, are getting in their Cutlass Supremes. I don't think they make those anymore. They're, they're Honda Civics. And they're driving, and they're living in Iowa City, and they're following Terry now and Tom. They're becoming, this is what discipleship is. This is what it is. Now, some of you, all of you are disciples. I mean, every single one of you. You may not necessarily be a disciple of Jesus, though. It might be your coach. It might be your professors. It might be someone, somebody that espouses an ideology. So we're going to look at the nature of discipleship. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Here's the deal. Peter and Andrew saw something in Jesus. By the way, this was not their first encounter with him. They'd seen him. They'd heard him teach. They'd seen his miracles earlier. But this is when he calls them and invites them to follow. So they'd, they'd done their research. And he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter and Andrew were looking at Jesus and they said, that's what I want to be. He's promising something and I want what he has. And he's saying, if you follow me, he'll make us like him. Let's go. And so they left everything and they followed him. They left everything and they followed him. Okay. Let's just pause for a second here. Let's pause. All of us follow someone. Now, that sounds presumptuous for me to say, like, I know you, like, I know your heart. And, but here's the thing. We, we, we chafe at the idea that when someone says, well, you're just a follower, as if that's a bad thing. Well, all of us are followers of someone. Now, we live in a world in, in the West where we, we cherish our, our rugged individualism that, like, I'm my own person. I don't follow anybody. That's utter Nonsense. When you're born into this world, you, the first 18 years of your life, you follow your parents. In kindergarten, at five years old, you enter kindergarten class and you follow your teacher. And, and you remember the, the teacher, when you're in kindergarten, you think they're the coolest person in the world. It, what, it doesn't matter what mom and dad say. What does the teacher say? That's a form of discipleship. And they instruct and they train and they, they, they form your minds. And then it becomes a coach. Or teachers and coaches. Then it becomes a college professor or professors. Or then it becomes influencers on YouTube that, that, that are successful in this or that. And you're like, I want to be successful like them. And so you begin to literally follow them on Twitter. Follow them on YouTube. Follow them on Facebook. For what to what end? Could be you're just a fan and you just like watching. Or it could be you want to become like them and so you're starting to conform your life around how they live their lives so you can become more like them. All of us are followers of someone or something. All of us. We always have been. That's the way we're designed. That's how you learn to speak. That's how you learn to talk. That's how you learn to walk. That's how long, how you learn to play the piano. That's how you learn to do math or not do math or, or whatever it is that you do. Some of you are, all of you are good at something. You became good at something because you apprenticed under someone who taught you how to do something. You're like I didn't apprentice under anyone. Okay. You got on YouTube and you learned how to do it yourself, but someone taught you. Do you, do you see how this works? This is just how human beings are formed we all follow someone who do you follow who you follow who you follow is determined by what you value most we follow the people the individuals or the ideologies that promise to help us arrive at a place we want to arrive at. Maybe that's the acquiring of wealth. Maybe that's the acquiring of notoriety. Maybe that's the the promise of becoming excellent at something. And the reason we want to become excellent at that something is because we think if we have that something, it'll give our lives meaning and significance. So who you follow is directly correlated to what you value most. And as we've discussed in previous messages over the summer... That's called worship. Whatever I value most is what I give my life to is what I worship. So whoever I follow helps me become a worshiper of whatever it is I'm chasing after. Obviously, when I was 17 years old, I thought the meaning of life was to be excellent in the sport of wrestling. Lots of different motivations, most of them impure, wanted to make a name for myself. I figured that if I could become excellent at this, then my life would have meaning and my life would have worth or would have more meaning and more worth than it has now. And I had bought into that, that if I become this, then I would be someone of significance. So I was willing to, to leave everything and come to the University of Iowa and be discipled. That's literal discipleship and it it gives you a window into what I valued at the time. By the way, I'm not saying that you can't, can't be a Christian. If you're, if you're trying to be excellent at some endeavor, that's not being Jesus like I'm not saying that. So don't, don't misunderstand that. Just use that illustration to help you understand. So, but the destination, the destination, there is a destination in discipleship. Who do you follow? Why do you follow them? Because you want to reach the place where you think they are already at. Or you want to reach the place where they are going to take you. Or you believe they're going to take you. There's a destination involved. You follow because they're going somewhere. Yes? Jesus says, Peter, Andrew, follow me. They leave where they're at and they go with him because they want to be where he's going. Because they want to be with him. They want to be like him. So there's a destination involved. But that's dangerous. If you're following the wrong person, look what Jesus says in Luke chapter six, verse 39. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Okay. Two things, two things here. We all follow Someone or something because there's a promise hitched to it. We want to be where they are at or where they're going. Life with success, significance. But the destination where we end up is dependent on two factors, right there in the text. Two factors. Number one, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained. So the first thing, the first principle here is to become fully trained. Okay, so it's contingent upon whether or not we're fully trained. You, want to you can be a fan, you can be a student, but unless you apprentice and are trained by whoever is discipling you, you won't become like them. So you have to be fully trained. So that's factor number one. The second factor is, who's doing the training? Who's doing the training? He says, a disciple's not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like, like who? His teacher. The disciple maker can only take the disciple as far as he's gone himself. But that begs the question, does the disciple maker actually know where they're going? What if they don't know where they're going? What if they're totally blind to the purpose and meaning of life? What if they're awesome at teaching you how to acquire wealth? What if they're awesome at teaching you to to dominate other human beings? What if they are unbelievable at helping you craft a sculpted body with six-pack abs, but their life is nothing more than a vacuous mist, and they have no idea about what the meaning of life is? Best case scenario, you have rock-hard abs, and you step off into a pit into the eternal lake of fire. Does the person or people you are following that you are modeling your life after have any idea where they are going in life? That's a question you have to ask. You have to evaluate. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. You see, when the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a pit. Proverbs 14, verse 12, says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but that way is death. We've seen this. We just spent an entire summer looking at the book of Judges, where there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You say, Aha, see? They were not following anyone. They were. Okay, we went through Judges. Who were they imitating? Their neighbors. They were picking up, they were following after the gods of their neighbors. Monkey see, monkey do. They saw the Canaanites do X and they said, well, let's do X because we can become like they are. Yes, they were doing what's right in their own eyes, but they were doing what's right in their own eyes is because they were imitating their neighbors. They're always, we're always following someone. You cannot live life in a vacuum. You're always influenced by someone or something. That's just the way the universe works. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end ends in death. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, Jesus says, you'll cross, he's speaking to the Pharisees who are very religious. He says, you'll cross an entire ocean to win one convert. And then when you win them, you make them twice the sons of hell that you are. What is he talking about? He's saying, you guys are awesome disciplers. You are rocking it. You find someone, you convince them to follow you, and then you lead them straight to hell. They're the religious conservatives of Jesus' day. So not everybody who preaches from a Bible is following the word made flesh, Jesus. Being fully trained. But then there is Jesus. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son of man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does. The son does likewise. Why is Jesus the way he is? He is the word of God become flesh. He is God among us, but he only does what his father says. He sees what his father does and he does what his father says. He is a disciple of his father. He lives to do the will of his father. The scriptures say that he only did the will of his father in heaven. Jesus followed the will of the father to the nth degree and nothing else. And hence he had power. He only did. And for whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Jesus knows where he's going because he knows where he came from. That's why in John chapter 14, verse six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the father except Through me, I'm going back to where I have come from. And he says, you know, the way, and they say, how could Thomas says, how can we know the way? He says, I'm the way, the truth and life. And no one comes to the father except through me. So his disciples followed him. Why? Because he knows where he has been from. He knows where he's from and he knows where he's going. He knows everything in between. He's not a blind guide. Brings us to the decision. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Now, how many of you, be honest, that seems the first time you read that, and this might be the first time you're hearing it, you thought to yourself, that seems a bit on the rash side. Any of you, you read that and you're like, They just walked away from their livelihood. They left boats. They left nets. It'd be like if you left a small business, unmanaged, untended. You say, well, James and John, at least their father was there to to run the show. Yeah. But Peter and and Andrew, they just left. You think, well, that sounds a bit rash. They had considered this Mark's gospel. As we're going to see is very, very condensed. Condensed. There's a lot that happens that he doesn't tell us. He just tells us bullet points. He's very concise in, in how he says. And, and so it's, it seems like, so these guys are fishing, and then Jesus comes along and says, follow me. They know nothing about him, and they follow. That's not how it works. We, love, we know from John's Gospel, chapter 1, that, that Andrew came to Peter because he'd been listening to Jesus and watching him do miracles. And he came and says, I think I found the Messiah. And so he finds him and he brings him. And so Peter and and Andrew are following Jesus around. They'd listened to him teach. They'd seen his miracles. This happens later after they'd been spending some time with him. And he says, okay, you've, you've had your chance. You've seen me. You've heard me. You've watched me. Do you want to become like me? If so, let's go. And they made their decision and they began to follow. The question is, will we do the same? Or are we content as American Christians, and I use that loosely quotation, to occasionally come to a worship service, not serve, not fish for men, not conform our lives, not apprentice under Jesus Not have him evaluate us and critique us and say, change this, do this, don't do that anymore. Or do we want kind of a hands-off, more of a, a Twitter following thing? Where what we really want is we want a modified 21st century version of discipleship, which following means I just want to be a follower on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That way, when it's convenient for me on social media, I can check out what Jesus is doing. That's not discipleship. Or are we willing to conform our lives to leave X, Y, and Z to, so that we might, we might follow him. That's what discipleship is. Now there's an invitation to follow, but for some of you to make that decision right now, you're not prepared to make that decision and nor should you. There has to be. You have to enter into an investigation. Some of you are not sure exactly who Jesus is. You cannot take my word for it, or rather, you shouldn't simply take my word for it. You need to do what Philip did, do what Andrew did, do what Nathaniel did. When 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 Philip came to his brother Nathaniel, he said, "Come and see. Come and see. He, he, come. I, I found the disciples. I found the Messiah, the Messiah of Israel, Jesus of Nazareth." And, and Nathaniel's like, Nazareth? Can anything good come of Nazareth? And so, so Philip's response to Nathaniel was, well, we'll come and see. And so, so what, did, what did Nathaniel do? He came and went. He came and he looked. He checked him out. And for some of you, that's your first step. Your first step in discipleship is not to leave your nets behind. It's not to leave your boats. It's not to leave your business. It's not to change your life. It's to actually commit to finding out what Jesus said and who he is. And to that end, I want to encourage you to come back again and again and again as we go through Mark because the purpose of Mark is to introduce introduce us to who Jesus is and what Jesus claims to be and what Jesus accomplished. It's only after you've investigated that you can make an intelligent and a faith-filled decision. Notice that I I linked intelligent and faith-filled. They're not mutually exclusive. So come and see. Come and see. But for some of you, you've seen quite a bit of Jesus. And you know enough to know that when you look at yourself and you look at Jesus, there's no correlation. He is holy and you are not. And you're thinking to yourself, you're afraid to follow him because you don't think you'll be accepted. You don't think that you could ever become what Jesus says you could become. Why? Because you've got too much baggage. You have too much sexual morality, you have too many addictions, too many skeletons in your closet. Jesus would never have you. And you think, you think that you've got to clean all that up. And once you've cleaned all that up, and once you've conquered all these 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 moral inconsistencies or or the debauchery in your life, once you've cleaned the house, then maybe you can begin following. No, that's not how it works. It's not how it works. Why? The reason the disciples followed him is because of this chapter right here, this verse. Earlier, before they followed, they'd been listening to Jesus. And what did Jesus tell them? The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent means to change. It means you've been following these people in your lives. You've been devoting your whole life to this ideology. You've been thinking that if I do this and I act this way, then I can reach the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and I can become like the people I admire. And Jesus said, stop. Repent. The word repent means to change direction. Stop following the world and follow me. Stop following blind guides who can get you success but not significance. And follow me, who will give you significance and give your life meaning and give you eternity, and I'll make you like me. And you say, I can't repent and believe in the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. Jesus is not calling people to become like him so they can become his disciples. He's calling sinners to recognize they can do absolutely nothing and to give their lives completely to him so that they might receive a pardon, receive the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit makes us righteous from the inside out and we become like him when we are fully trained. The only prerequisite... For following Jesus, the king of the universe, is that you know that you're a sinner and you have need of him. That's it. If you don't know that, you will never follow him. Or if you think you have to become something you're not in order to follow him, you'll never follow him. But here's the good news. You can't become something you're not. Do you know the kind of person that Jesus wants? The person who is broken, the person who is worn out, the person who is at the end of the rope morally, or they think, they're too, they think they're awesome and they find out they're not, that's what he wants. He wants you as you are. And once you realize that Jesus Christ came for sinners, of which Paul said, I am chief, now you're qualified. He wants a willing heart, a willing spirit, someone who's going to just say, I'm all in. And to believe the gospel is to believe that you do nothing and that he does it all. So follow him. A couple things as we close. Very practical. Start reading the gospel of Mark. Start investigating. Come and see. Commit to attend the gospel of Mark series that we're going to go through. Starting Labor Day. Pick up the gospel of Mark study in the office and do it with someone else. Find a Philip, find an Andrew, find a Mary Magdalene, do it alongside someone else and bring someone else to check out Jesus as well. Because discipleship as we're going to see next week. As we look at what training looks like is a corporate, a corporate collective activity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that discipleship is, is something that's available to all of us. And Lord, we recognize, um, that it is a commitment. So give us the grace, give us the courage to make that commitment, to follow you, to trust you for the forgiveness of our sins, for the reception of the Holy spirit, and that you will do the work in and through us that we are just not able to do. Father, we pray that you would bring glory to yourself through our lives as we commit them to you. Call people to yourself, Lord. I know there's people here who are afraid to follow you because they don't think they'll measure up. Lord, would you show them that they don't have to measure up? They only have to follow you. They only have to receive the grace and the forgiveness that is theirs through Christ, and that you do the rest. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name, that he might be lifted up, that he might be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray,
0: amen. Amen. And go in grace, we'll see you next week.